But if you would, turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. We're just going to read one verse here and get started. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Now Paul talks here, the Word of God here talks about you can be a pleaser of men or a servant of God, servant of Christ, but you can't be both. And he says, if I seek to please men, I should not be a servant of Christ. And this is what we're going to talk about. Now, I want us to think about it just for a moment. Even if you're not the pastor, even if you're not in a in a uh, some some place of, of leadership or so forth in the ministry, just in your life and in my life, as I go through life, what genuine or lasting fruit does a man have or a woman have for living with the motive or the purpose simply to please men? What lasting fruit comes from that? There's temporary fruit, okay? I wouldn't even call it real fruit. There's a temporary bump, a blessing from that. But what true profit or what true reward does a man have from, or a woman have with, if the motivation of my life is to please men, to be a, a man pleaser? Jesus said this in Matthew 6, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. So he's relating a hypocrite to someone who receives the glory of men. They do what they do spiritually, which should be spiritual unto God. They do it as unto men, and their purpose is to receive glory of men or from men. Truly I say unto you, they have their reward. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen, that they may be. It's a motive, it's an intent. That's why they pray the way they do, and they love it, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. There is a reward that comes from being a man pleaser. It's fleeting though. It's not lasting. It's not godly. Okay, Jesus says don't do it. Alright? It's not godly. In fact, it's sin. Because He says don't do it. The motive of your, of your heart is wrong. The intent of your heart is wrong. And I just want to read a scripture to you. I'm, I'll be reading from John 5.44. And I'll read it because I've already got it looked up. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only. There is an honor that comes from God only. There is an honor that comes from men. And it can get all mixed up and muddied, even within Christianity, even within a Christian's life. I'm going to read it again. How can you believe? He's speaking to men. He was rebuking men, which receive honor one of another. You just pat each other on the back, back and forth. It's an it's a honor fest between men in the church or whatever it may be. And you seek not the honor that comes from God only. I don't know about you, but I want the honor that comes from the Lord. He wants that for your life. He wants that for my life. There is an honor. There is a fruit. There is a reward that comes from Him and Him alone. That's the only one that lasts. That's the only one that's, that's uh, fitting 
for a Christian to live. It's the only fruit that's a real fruit of God, a reward. And can I tell you that it's fleeting, that the rewards that come from men, and I would say this, even Christian men, even if one's motive is to please other Christians, and that's the intent of their heart, to impress those in the church, to receive the admiration and devotion of those within the church, uh, it, it's, it's fleeting. At best, it's fleeting. All right? There's no true reward. Man was created by God to know and to love Him. Amen? Just think about it. This is real simple. Man was created by God. That's our Creator. People that know Him, people that don't know Him, we're still created by Him. And we are created by God to know Him and to love Him. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, to bring men back into a right relationship with God that sin had separated us in that relationship from the Lord. To we be restored and made His sons and daughters. Not just His creation, but His sons and daughters and His family. And we were created to walk with Him and serve Him and Him alone. The Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to, I'm going to be reading several Scriptures, but uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And that He died for all. Listen, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. Don't you love Scriptures like that? I just love Scriptures that just say it. And all the Word of God just says it. And you just highlight it. And you, it's simple and it doesn't, it's not confusing. He died that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. What is that saying? It's saying live for God. Amen. He died that you've come to know Him and live for Him. And now that I'm saved, I don't live for myself anymore. I do at times. It's sin. I say, God, forgive me. Many times I do. I get selfish. I get what I want. I get the feeling what I want. My feelings hurt when I don't get what I want. And I have to go to God, right? But I know that He's created me and then saved me that I should not live for myself anymore. I should live for God. The Holy Spirit inside of me bears witness of that. And the Holy Spirit inside of you and me enables us to do that over and over and daily. And I thank the Lord for it. But God, sinful men can be graciously and wonderfully redeemed by a holy God, by faith in Jesus, by the only begotten Son of God, forgiven, washed in the blood of Christ, justified fully by His grace. And all that is for a purpose. There's an end to it. Yes, they will go to heaven, be with Him forever because He loves us. But it is that we might know Him and honor Him and glorify Him and walk with Him. What? Know you not that you're not your own? Right? You've been bought with a price. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in us, which we have of God. Therefore, glorify God. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 14. And let's read verses 7 through 9. Romans 14, 7 through 9. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. He's speaking to the church. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, 
that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. So God has a purpose in it. He has a purpose. There's a lot of things you could say. He died to, to save us, to redeem us, to forgive us of our sins, to give us the gift of eternal life. All that is true. Absolutely. But there's another purpose right here is that we would live unto God. And when we die, our death would honor Him. We would die unto God. Whether we live therefore or die, one thing is for certain, we are, we're God's possession. We belong to Him. That's what He's made us. And that's what He's called us to do. I would say that many men, and I have been guilty of it myself, I don't want to be guilty of it, and I don't want to, certainly don't want to continue in it. But many men uh, that, that live around us are living, even within the Christian walk, to, to please men. To please men. Now I will say this, that people that are, are your believer and the people that are around your life, in the workplace, certainly in your family, friendships, relationships, when people are around you, they should be blessed by the fact that you know God. They should be blessed by your life because the way you love the way you care, the way you exhibit the light of Christ, right? In other words, I was thinking about uh, Joseph in Potiphar's house in the Old Testament. He was sold as a slave. Potiphar bought him, and, and he quickly advanced among the servants of Potiphar to, to become in charge of all of Potiphar's estate and the other servants and everything. And it was because God caused him to find favor. Potiphar looked at this man, uh, Joseph, and said, there's something special about him. I trust him. I, I trust the other servants under his care. I know he's going to do me right. And he's going to do what's right. He's, there's something about him. He's got integrity and so forth. That should be in all of our lives what people would take note if they're around us for any length of time. Okay? Other men should be blessed by our lives. Many should come prayerfully. Many will come to know Christ because of the testimony of Christ in our lives. But having said that, that our, my motive in life is not to please the people around me. My motive in life is to please God. And as I'm pleasing God, people around me are going to see the Lord in me and they're going to be blessed. Does that make sense? I don't live my life to please my children. But if I serve God with all of my heart and please Him, I'll be the best father I could ever be. I don't live my life to please my wife in that sense. In other words, everything else is shut out and I just want to please her, please her all the time. I please God first. And the Holy Ghost speaks to me and speaks to other men and makes us the husbands that we should be or the wives that we should be or the employee that we should be or the employer that we should be. God, if I live to please God, Seriously, not, not just, oh, that's a, a warm, fuzzy statement. But if I really live that way, God will make me the best that I should be and what I should be in every other area of life. We need to remember that. We know that the passage about seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And so, uh, I, I live to please one and one alone. You and I should, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. To glorify him to glorify the Lord of glory who saved us. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, well, I want to be such a blessing to people. Well, that's a good, uh, you know, you could say that's a good thing and we want to be a blessing to people. 
lost people. We want them to come to know Christ. All that we should. But the way to that end is to glorify the Lord. To please Him. To seek Him. God sets us on fire. Men come watch us burn, so to speak. God sets us on fire with His Spirit, His life, His sanctification in our lives, His words, His love through us. And men take note of that and are drawn to that. Amen? But if I set God aside, even as a believer, and say, I just want to have a heart for people, for people, and God's on the back burner, then I'm going to get burnt out myself on that. And it's not going to make any real lasting fruit for God or for His kingdom or for His, His glory. So it's something we have to, to keep in mind. It's very, very important. And uh, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 12. I just wanted to look at this real quickly. Now, this is not a, a Christian man, but I want to see uh, just the attitude of someone who's seeking to please men. They just act because it's what men want. And when I think of politicians, and that's not everyone, when we think of politicians, they just whatever will get them a few more votes. That is it. If they're going to speak to the NRA, they're going to put a hunting cap on and throw a shotgun over their shoulder. You know, never picked up a gun in their life. They just want to please men because there's a selfish motive in it all. They want your vote. All right. And look at uh, look at Herod in, in Acts chapter 12. This is a time of persecution for the church. Now, about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. I just want to see that here's a man acting with no real compass, no real deep, you know, moral uh, motive. He's acting to please the constituents around him. Now, in a worldly way, just in a worldly way, not in a godly way, that's, that's a wise thing to do. It kept him propped up. He's surfing on top of a bunch of humanity, people. They keep him propped up. And so what pleases them, makes them happy, and keeps him in his position. But that is not the way it is with the child of God. The Bible says in... Uh, I'll just read this. Y'all have it written down from Colossians. Servants. This is an example. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, your earthly masters, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. A wonderful passage, Colossians 3, 22-24. Don't do it as men-pleasers. Do it as unto the Lord. You serve the Lord knowing. You have to know this. That's why it's a walk of faith. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward. There's the rewards that come from God that are eternal, that are lasting, that Paul received when he said, I fought the good fight and finished my course, Right? He says, henceforth there is later for me a crown of righteousness. And not for me only, but all those that love His appearing. The Lord's going to give me in that day, He said. But we're not to be men-pleasers. That word means man-courting. courting. Like if a man was uh, courting a lady. That's an old-fashioned word now. To try to 
woo her to himself to marry her or get engaged, make her like him. Uh, that's what that word means. A man pleaser is a man courter. They're courting men. And there's people that are very skilled at doing it. Very skilled at courting men. And we're not to do that. Our life, our conduct, our speech, our thoughts, our plans, our affections, our teaching, our giving. I'm talking about within the church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Our counsel is not to be with the motive of trying to please men, even Christian men, but to please Almighty God. And I mentioned counseling in that list, and you could add some other things, but I think that's very important. A lot of times we'll give counsel. When God's Word says, Thus saith the Lord, that's the counsel we need to give. Prayed up and rightly divided and hear from the Lord. But a lot of times there are men that give counsel that is not of God uh, because it serves their purpose. It serves the man's purpose. When we speak, it needs to be of the Lord. It must be biblical. It must be spirit-filled. Our ministry, our lives, our plans, our motives, everything must be spirit-filled, spirit-led. must be birthed in our hearts by the Lord and executed or performed from our hearts for the glory of God alone. It really, it must be. The Bible says of Enoch, and I love this, this scripture, it says in, in Hebrews eleven five, by faith Enoch was translated. You know the Old Testament saying, we don't know a lot about him, do we? Just read about Enoch in the lineage uh, of the early men on the earth. But by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see to death and was not found because he had, God had translated him. Listen, for before his translation, he had this testimony. So Enoch had a testimony. Amen. This is what we know about Enoch. Before he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I just put a big amen there in my notes. I mean, seriously, how would you like your testimony? Chris Hudson has this testimony from God, from heaven, that he pleased God. I don't know how many mission trips he went on or did anything, but his life pleased God. That's how we can live. That's how every man can live. We don't know anything, very little about Enoch. He walked with God. Bible says he walked with God, and that God took him, and he was translated that he shouldn't see death. Okay? And so him and Elijah are the only two men we know of that never tasted a physical death and are before the Lord even now. But what a testimony before he was translated that he pleased God. And I would just say, oh God, keep us from trying to be men pleasers. Keep us from being men pleasers. Keep us from trying to build our kingdoms in this world. Even Christian kingdoms. Okay? Now don't get me wrong. Do I want this church to grow? So I want more people here. Absolutely. But it's going to be what God wants it to be. I want to do my part. I want to do what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to be serving the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Acts that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So God will do that. I know He will do that. I know by faith He's done that. He's doing it. He's going to do that. But I need to be concerned about my father's business and I'm not concerned about his business. He'll show me, Randy, it's time to start doing such and such or start this ministry or whatever it may be. And all of us, if every single one of us would be about our father's business, I think we would see uh, you know, the, the church growing as God would have it to. But I don't have to stress over that. 
and fret and wring my hands and say, how can I please men and get it packed out to where we can't fit in here anymore? I want it packed out to where we can't fit in here anymore. And then we'll be somewhere else. Okay? But I'm thankful for this place and I'm thankful for this church. If God sees fit for this to be it from now till He comes back, then so be it. But I want to be serving Him and I want to do what He's called me to do. And I know you do as well. God will take care of that. Amen? He's going to take care of this. And I would say, deliver us, Lord, from any impure motives in our heart. Deliver us from any longing for followers, even within the church. Prestige among men. A lot of times, men in the name of the Lord, and this is, this is the part that always makes it tricky. Men in the name of God, men in the name of Jesus, can act um, and speak in a seemingly Christ-like way, in a loving way, patient way, spiritually and so forth, and yet, uh, yet they have a hidden motive in their heart that is not pure, that is not uh, for God's glory. They're, men, they're seeking to be men-pleasers, and in their hearts and minds, there's an, another motive that's... that's to, to, again, to prop them up. They can be very persuasive, persuasive, but all along, maybe their motive is, and I need to guard this in my life. You need to guard it in your life. We all do. It's still for personal power, for positions among men, for persuasion of men, for a following of men, for recognition among men, for advancement among, among men, to make a name for themselves. Okay? And... I would just say, Lord, keep us from it. Lord, keep me from it. Keep me from it. Be simple. Be single. Simple, not in stupid. Okay, the Bible talks about simple being like ignorant. Simple, it, it also means the simplicity that's in Christ. I believe in 1 Corinthians 11. I'm not sure. But it's, it means a singleness. A singleness. I think of Paul, this one thing I do. Right? I always think about that because you look at like Paul's life, it was very active, just, just putting it mildly. Casting out demons and preaching and starting churches and discipling and raising up pastors and raising the dead and you know what I mean? Healing the sick and traveling and missionary journeys and all the stuff that he did. But if you asked him what he did, he would say, this one thing I do. One thing I do. Forget those things that are behind. I press for the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I want to know him. And I want to know Him more. And if that is my testimony, and I've got to keep reminding myself of that and praying that, okay? If that is my testimony, the Lord will do wonderful things through my life. He'll do wonderful things through your life. Okay? It's a vessel of honor unto the Lord that He wants. That vessel is now clean. The Lord cleaned it. It's a nice, clean, pure vessel. I can use that vessel now because I've got it to all of Randy out of the way. Now it's a vessel that reflects Christ. And it's honoring to Him. And so, keep it simple. Keep it uh, uh, single in, in your heart, in my heart, our motives, our speech, our devotion to Christ. Be solely and holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Solely and holy His. When you speak His Word, uh, let it be as God directs. If you're saying, thus saith the Lord, let it be the Lord. It's time to be quiet. Be quiet. Speak as the Spirit gives utterance. Uh, and let it be for His glory. Don't use God's Word and, and use it. Even if you quote it correctly, use the Word to your own ends. 
to get men to admire you, follow you, uh, obey you, or whatever it may be. Paul Peter said this, if any man speak, 1 Peter 4.11, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified. Amen? Through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It has to be for His glory. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about Christians in ministry. I'm talking about those that teach Sunday school. Whatever we do, that I cannot be a man pleaser. I'm not called to be a man pleaser. In fact, it's not honoring to God. I believe that it's sin. We've got to live for the Lord. Listen, I would say this. Speak the truth. Make your heart pure. Speak the truth, live the truth, even when it's unpopular. We know it's unpopular in the world, okay? Even when it might be unpopular among your circle of peers in the church. If it's God, and it lines up with His Word, and it is His Word, and it is His truth, we are to live that way, not to please men, even in the church. We say what God has us to and live the way God has us to, even if it's unpopular even if it doesn't further your own ambitions and your agenda within the church, even if it uh, mars your reputation around certain men or among certain men, even when it's costly to do so. Take a stand for the Lord. Not only in the world. That goes without saying. You take a stand for God in the midst of the house of God and the people of God, even when... It's costly to do so. Be obedient to your Savior at all costs and at every cost. Live this way and die this way. I remember, um, and we're, we're talking about John a little bit, my mother-in-law, but when, when she was with Glory House and, and uh, the ministry was totally for God's glory and it was an you know, inner city ministry, a prison ministry, drug rehab uh, all domestic violence, all kinds of things, literacy, all types of things to reach people for the Lord, okay? And there was constant need for funds. They had, a, they had a staff that worked there, they had a van, they had a building, an electric bill, and, you know, just stuff. There was a constant need for funds, just like a church would have, okay? And people, God always provided. But there was an, an opportunity that I believe it was the United Way came to her, the leader of the United Way in this area, said, we'll give you all the money you need. You'll be taken care of. We appreciate what you do at Glory House, all the good works and the prison ministry and the literacy and all that. Uh, just take the name Jesus out of it. Keep doing basically the, the work that you're doing. You won't have to worry about money anymore. And she said, no, I'm sorry. This is His ministry. This is his calling. This is his work. And, you know, I'm sure she's not the only person that would have taken that stand, but there's some other people that might not have taken that stand. There might have been people when that temptation came that would have, well, it's for a good cause, you know, rationalizing it, even as a Christian, in their minds. Think about how many more people we could help. Right? And yet... That's not what she was supposed to do. It's not what she was called to do. Be obedient to the Lord even when it's costly. God provided. It took a lot of prayer like George Mueller in the, 
and orphanages and all the money that came in to sustain all those kids. But the Bible says in, in Hebrews 12, 3, for, for consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, thus you become weary and faint in your minds. We have to consider Christ in all of this. We have to consider Christ and who He is and what He did and His own testimony on this earth and the contradiction that, and the things that came against His life. And by considering and being mindful of that, it, it helps to strengthen me to keep my thoughts clear. Okay, I see what Jesus went through. Alright, how did He endure? How did He make it through? He, he kept His eyes on His Father. He, he didn't compromise. He didn't bend. He didn't bend to the pressures of the world. He didn't bend to the pressures of the Pharisees. He didn't bend to the pressures of good men or bad men. He, he kept His eyes on, the, on His Father. Um, when it, the Bible says that He endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. And we're to consider that. Contradiction means dispute, strife, disobedience, gainsaying. So these things came against Himself from sinners. And I can tell you this, they're going to come against your life as well. There's going to be contradictions of sinners that come against your life and my life. That's why we're to consider Him when we go through it. Okay? And to pray to Him and call upon Him and be strengthened by Him. But to consider Him. The Bible says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's a period there. You know what he's saying? All, yea, all that live godly. Now, some people can be born again and not necessarily live godly, but all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall <coughs> suffer persecution. It's up to a point. How, how much persecution? I don't know. That's up to the Lord. But he says it's going to come, and we need to consider the Lord. That persecution, that contradiction, that dispute, strife, disobedience, gainsaying is going to come against all those that live in a godly manner before the Lord. But I can tell you this, it'll come from people who don't know the Lord at all, just the heathen, dark, lost world that deny Christ. And that contradiction can often come from people who claim to speak for Christ and know Him and walk with Him. There could be a contradiction against your life from people who claim to know Him and speak on His behalf. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Consider Him. Consider how He endured. endured. Be mindful of that. And all the contradiction that came against Christ's life and all that will come against your life as a believer is never a reason or an excuse to disobey God. It's never a reason to, 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 uh, to excuse me from what my Heavenly Father has called me to do. You understand what I'm saying? It's never a reason. Oh, I'm being persecuted by, by those in the church. They don't agree with me. And they don't. And, and it's, maybe I need to check and see if I'm, I'm right. But I'm saying when we are biblical and we are right and we know God's leading us, we can never use that as a reason to back off and shift our focus from solely living to live for God, living to please God, and shift it now even slightly to let me please God and man. There's a little group over here. I've got to keep them satisfied. So I'm going to keep serving God and pleasing Him, but I've got to shift a little bit from here to there. Maybe 10%. Okay? Please a little group of men over here. I'm going to have troubles. Okay? It's never, never an excuse. It's never a reason. Uh, my motive of my heart is single and soul, solely His. Please God. Honor God. If it's costly, 
honor God. If he blesses you in this life tremendously, honor God and serve the Lord. And so we can't live ever, even in a little bit, to please men, even Christian men. And I haven't defined that word yet, and I want to right now. When Paul said that the scripture we open with, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I should please seek to please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. That word please there, it means exciting emotions. Please, so I seek to please men. Okay, to excite emotions or to seek to be agreeable. Now, that doesn't mean we seek to be disagreeable either. But we can seek to please God. If people agree with it, they agree with it. If I'm living for God and people disagree with it, then they disagree with it. It doesn't change me. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. Okay? And so, I, I can't be a servant of Christ and to live to please men. If I live to please God, He'll make me a servant to all. Lost and saved. But it won't be by compromising Him in order to do it. It'll be by exalting Him and lifting Him up. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 4.11, Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. So the God's told us in His Word more than once how we're to walk and how we're to please God. And I'm going to be bringing this towards a close, but it says, I, I, I know that the people of God will be opposed. The truth of God will be opposed. There will be a contradiction, right? We're, we're used to that. Turn on the TV. Watch it for 30 seconds. What you believe and what God proclaims and Christ and who He is and how He's called men to live is opposed, all right? So the people of God are going to be opposed. The rightly divided Word of God will be opposed. The counsel of God will be opposed. As I said, by my lost men and by, by men that claim to know Him and claim to speak on His behalf and represent Him. But stay true to Christ. Stay true to the Lord all through your life and stay true to His eternal Word. Let your heart's motive be only to please your Creator and Redeemer. Jesus said, uh, He said, and He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. Always. There's never been another man like Jesus, okay? Sinless, born of a virgin. He didn't have the nature of Adam, God in the flesh. He was sinless and perfect in the spotless Lamb of God. But still, we're to consider Him. And the Bible says in 1 Peter, we have Christ as our example that we should follow in His steps, right? And it says of Him, the Father has not left me. He's with me. He sent me. And he, He's not left me alone. And I do always those things that please Him. I don't always. But you understand that's what we are to do. Okay? So I can ask God to forgive me. And I can ask God to strengthen me. And I can ask the Lord that I would make progress in this and growth in this. That I would more do the things, only those things that please the Lord. We're to live solely for God and for His glory. I want to read this scripture from Isaiah 42. The Lord says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praises, my praise to graven images. 
And so the, the glory has to be for the Lord. He is God. He is to be glorified in and through His saints and the people that know Him. Let your heart's motive be pure. Keep it single. When the temptations come, and they will, <coughs> to try to, uh, to lure you or to tempt you to compromise in some way, don't do it. Ask God for strength. You have done it before, probably. I know that I've done it before. I know that I've been tempted and I've compromised and then I've regretted it and I've asked God to forgive me. I've asked God for a second chance and let me get a redo and do that over because it was bad witness or it was whatever it may be. We've probably all done that before. But when the temptations come, consider the Lord. The temptations come to compromise Christ. Uh, that, you know, and, and it justifies, I would have more friends if I wasn't so dogmatic about my doctrine, okay? If I wasn't so dogmatic about my lifestyle and the movies I watch and won't watch. And the, Satan wants to go, yeah, that, just, just temper it down a little bit. You know what I mean? Just temper it down a little bit. Um, it's for a good cause. Like I said, pastor, a pastor, an evangelist, somebody might be, or a whole church might be tempted to, well, we preach about the blood and the cross and, and that people are sinners and if they don't get saved, they're going to hell. And that offends some people. We'd sure get a lot more people if we just tempered that down a little bit. And it's for a good cause. We'll get more people and God wants to reach them, right? And we'll have a bigger following and more people and we can do more things for the, for the hurting and so forth. And yet it's a compromise. It's a compromise. It's a cop-out. And it's a weakness. It's not a strength. And we're all weak. We all need God's strength. But don't do it. Okay? Don't do it. Stay true to the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, if you ever heard the term, I know you have, you watch politics on TV or whatever, you can spin something a certain way. Right? You take a story and Democrats spin it this way and the Republicans spin it this way. Well, what's the truth? That's all I want to know. Right? And... Uh, and a Christian, a pastor, a leader in a church can spin things a certain way to get sympathy, to get a following, to get a, a bigger congregation, to get more support, when it would be far better to just openly proclaim the truth, live the truth. If I've sinned, God forgive me. Y'all forgive me. You know what I mean? And, and go on with the Lord. That's an impure motive. That would be a man pleaser. Spinning something a certain way would be because I want to please a certain group of people that would help get me where I want to go. We need to guard against that. Lord, help us. I'm not saying that you do that. But little what we would call little white lies and things like that can be that as well. And, and the Lord, uh, spin it in a way that makes me look good and makes others look not so good. Okay? Uh, and... and Builds you up in the, in the eyes of, of people. We don't want to do that. All we want to do is say, thus saith the Lord. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Alright? That's how we're to speak. And so, don't give heed to those temptations when they come. Those thoughts are not from God. They're from the enemy or they're from our own flesh. Paul said to the Galatians, this, uh, this persuasion cometh not from him that calleth you. Well, that's a persuasion if I'm tempted to compromise or spend things or be a man pleaser, that persuasion cometh not from Him. 
who called you. And I'm about to, to close, but I want to read a couple more scriptures. Just knowing that, as I said, that knowing of the Lord, we're going to receive the reward. We've got to just put all the other mess aside and just have Jesus in my heart. Lord, I want to live for you. So that's why I pray. That's why we fast. That's why we go to the Word of God. That's why we stay in prayer. We didn't pray once a year ago, and that will carry me through. We stay on our faces before the Lord because we're living in a world, and we still have this fleshly body, and there's still temptations, and there's pressures to compromise. And we might not even realize it, but somehow the scales are tipped, and we're living our life now to please men instead of God. And we're justifying it, saying it's for a good cause. It's for His church. It's for His body. And I'm living this way. I'm living, and my heart is not to please God solely. But if I live solely to please God, I might not have the big following. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. You understand the point? We need to live to please God. Jesus said, but He shall receive those that have left all to follow Him. He shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. His rewards are eternal. His, his blessings are worth something. They're valuable. They never go away. They don't rust doesn't corrupt and thieves don't break in and steal. Those treasures, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. But one of the ways we do this and make sure that we're living that way is to have a pure heart where the motive is pure. Do I now persuade men or seek to please men or do I live to please God? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. We sing this song, and, I, and it's funny, not funny, it's just interesting how the Lord works. I didn't talk to Dee about the music before, and there I really do, you know, what I was preaching and so forth. But I was thinking about this song, and I had it printed out for this sermon, and then we sang it this morning. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have, uh, rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain. That could even be a Christian domain. And, and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than worldly applause. I'd rather be faithful to His dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name. Amen? I'd rather. I don't always. I don't always live that way. But that is what I want. You understand what I'm saying? Because God put that want in my heart when He saved me. He gave me those desires. I want those desires to be intensified and consume me to where the other desires are burn off. Burn off. And the Holy Ghost consumes what's not of Jesus and magnifies Jesus to where you literally our lives are on flame for the Lord. Amen. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to die this way. I'm going for God. Amen? Amen. And that's what He's called us to be. Y'all can stand with me. I'm closing with this, this one Scripture. And uh, the altars are open right now. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 But as... We were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God, 
which trieth our hearts. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And you said, I, the Lord, try the hearts and reins of men. You test and try them. And God, you said, whatever is not of faith is sin. And Lord, we know that you bought us with your, your own blood, Jesus. And we belong to you. And it's rebellion to try on our own to, to go after other things, to pursue after other things. We can paint a big Christian smile on our face and stand in a pulpit, but our heart may be impure and we're seeking to build earthly followings and to please men. God, would you show us that, first of all, if we do that at work, at home, in church, anywhere? Would you convict us and convince us of that? Would you bring us to repentance, God? We repent and confess. Would you change us? So y'all, these altars are open. Just come and meet with the Lord. Ask Him to purify your heart. Ask Him. I'm going to ask Him to purify my heart. I don't want to think that this is not me, that I'm somehow I'm above it all. I want this to be a message for my own heart and my own life. And I wouldn't seek to please men, even Christian men. I'll please God. If I'll please God, He'll make me the best friend, the best pastor, the best father, the best husband, the best servant that anybody could ever be. He'll make me what He wants me to be. And He'll make you what He wants you to be. I think it's important for our church to pray this. I think it's important for you to pray this this morning and to call upon the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.